What's up, Cardboard Nation? Welcome to another episode of Go GTS Live, the Hobbies Web Show. Hope you're doing well. I'm your host, Rob Bertrand. Joining me as always, my faithful co-host, Ivan Lovegren. How you doing out there in SoCal, Ivan? I mean, aside from all of us going insane, we are I'm doing great, especially with this new close-up look. What do you got what do you guys think? New camera setup, new office, up close and personal. How are you liking it, Rob? Wow, it's like you're right there. Yep, coming straight <laughs> to your living room. Quarantine schmorantine. We are having fun. We are having fun tonight. Hi, Mike OSU85 and Fox Bull 330. Oh, hey, we've got a special guest. I just got a notification. That is cool. Look at Twitch upgrading during this time. So, yes, we are here on GoGTS Live to talk about the hobby. Still going strong. You know what, Rob? Just today, I opened some cards. I, uh, you know, Target delivers. I got <laughs> some Gypsy Queen. Had some fun opening that. Um, so, yeah, so I'm excited to be back on talking the hobby. What's taking the hobby by storm? Some speculation. I'm excited about our poll question. It's going to generate a lot of heat. But first off, do you want to tell them about the rest of the show? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to bring on a guest this evening. He's author of a book that we told you about oh, a few weeks, months ago. Uh, the Wax Pack on the Open Road in Search of Baseball's Afterlife, author Brad Baluchian. We will have a bonus giveaway of Ultra Pro supplies. A lot of you have been crying out there. You need top loaders. Well, we got them. Uh, we've got a few box breaks tonight, uh, a video from Tops, a very short uh, hot in the shop. We've got some hobby happenings, and uh, we'll close things out with a video while Ivan pulls some winners. But, yes, kicking things off tonight, we've got a poll question. The GoGTS Live Q of the Week poll is knowing that the site for NSC C20, the National Sports Collectors Convention, is currently being used as a COVID-19 field hospital, would you still attend? And 59.1% uh, of you saying no, 34.6% saying yes, and 63 answering it depends. And we asked you to reply with some of your answers. Ivan, you obviously voted depends. Yep. Not that you need them, but that your reason being was it said, considering the level of cleanliness required to maintain a hospital environment, I don't see why not if it is reopened for events by that time. Yeah, I mean, it makes absolute <laughs> sense that, like, they're not going to reopen. Like, they legally are not going to reopen for events if they haven't done what it takes to be reopened for events. So my bigger thing is if they are open for events by that time, absolutely. You know, I think it'll right. be fine. But my big Desert, question is, will they be open for events? Desert Dog said the show would have to move west of the Mississippi River for me to consider attending. Insight uh, Brew Crew Jeff said, barring a full-scale cleansing and time free of the virus, I would say that it would be irresponsible to have it this year in that of a venue, in my opinion. Uh, collectors touch everything, and that's really not ideal at this time. Hopefully, by then, this will be a memory. But the way it go, it's going, who knows? And Grady Malakowski said, only if it moves to Cleveland. So if you haven't weighed <laughs> in on this week's poll yet, uh, feel free to do so. Um, I voted yes because, personally, I have to work, and I wouldn't have a choice if I wanted to keep my job. So... Um, 
yeah, but let us know your thoughts by weighing in on the poll. And if you vote depends, uh, we want to hear your reasoning. And, and it's important to get in on this poll because... Well, because Twitter is where we will be doing all of our giveaways tonight. So Rob mentioned we've got some box breaks. I don't know if we've got some holdover prizes, but we've also got some ultra pro bonus stuff to give away. So you have to be following us on Twitter to be eligible for any of those prizes. So that's why we want you to go there and vote in the poll. Uh, also retweet our pinned tweet. It's the one of the broadcast, the inception -y watching of the broadcast as it's going on. Retweet what I am doing right now and have your mind be blown. But make sure you're following us there and checking in all throughout the night because that's where the prize giveaways are going to happen. Don't worry, though. You don't necessarily have to be watching on Twitter. You can be watching on Periscope, Twitch, uh, YouTube, wherever you're watching. Uh, you can still win, but you just got to be following us on Twitter. Very cool. Uh, to give you guys an idea what breaks we have tonight, we're going to get a... a, a a look at a leaf football draft blaster box we are going to take a second look at 2020 sage hit premiere uh, draft low series since we took a pretty detailed look last week i went ahead and pre-broke it and let me just tell you we did way better with this box than we did with last week's box and last but not least we'll take a uh, second look at 2019 Panini Plates and Patches NFL Ooh. football cards. So little draft, a little NFL, and uh, that ought to be good. So Awesome. I like it. All right. So we are going to bring in our guest in on the hot seat, author Brad Baluchian, author of The Wax Pack, On the Open Road in Search of Baseball's Afterlife. Brad, thanks so much for joining us on GoGTS Live tonight. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, it's absolutely my pleasure. And so from one fellow collector to another, uh, loved the concept of your book right off the bat. I am sure that there have been other people to think about what you ended up accomplishing but there's a lot of people that think it and very few that actually had the courage, stamina, charisma uh, to actually go and do it. Keep, um, keep going, so, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for those of us, uh, for those of the viewers out there who aren't familiar with the book, uh, give us a little synopsis and then we'll ask you a couple of questions about what spurred the idea and things of that nature. Sure. Thanks. Thanks again for having me on. Um, well, let's see. So I'm 39 now. Uh, I was 34 when I went on the road trip. And at that point, well, actually, I still am still single, no kids. And, you know, pretty much everyone around me in my life, they were having kids, settling down, getting married. And I'm in my mid 30s kind of thinking about, OK, like what comes next? Um, <laughs> and I started thinking about how the, the players that I grew up following and watching and, and collecting their cards. Cause as a kid, I collected just like so many of us, you know, thousands of baseball cards buying those wax packs. And I thought, wow, you know, these guys that I grew up idolizing, they all retired at the same age that I am now. And so I thought it'd be kind of neat, first of all, to find out what happened to those guys. Cause I remember knowing them so well, knowing their stats and everything, and, and they just kind of disappear. 
So it kind of started out as like, just like Sports Illustrated does that annual where are they now issue. I think it's a sure. kind of universally attractive theme. Um, I thought, okay, I'd, I'd like to do that. And then I thought, uh, what better way to get a random sample of players from that era than the actual pack of cards? So I thought if Love I could it. just get, you know, one more pack that still has been sealed and open it up and uh, those would be like whatever 15 guys are in the pack, those would be the guys that I would go hunt down. And then I really wanted to focus on that transition when they're done playing, you know, kind of what happens the next day. You wake up, you're not you're not going to spring training. Uh, what happens and what can I learn now that I was the same age that they were when they went through that, you know, what could I learn from them? Very cool. I love the That's concept. Awesome. What uh, the pack that you broke was 1986 tops. I, I would right. have to imagine that was the one was uh, first year you started collecting maybe or. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I, you know, just like all of us, you're, you're you're blacked out the first five years of your life. Right. Like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> too, much, too much of this, maybe. Um, but no, I, uh, I remember baseball for the first time in 1986. And I remember that being the first set of cards that I laid eyes on. Very all right. Cool. So the pack that you opened revealed a number of interesting players. Who were they? Yeah. So um, full disclosure. Also, I was also I'm, I think I'm still pretty weird now, but weird then. <laughs> and I, I liked the underdog guys like my favorite. I remember in, in college we had I took my first magazine journalism class, which is where I really like first started thinking about doing this kind of writing, you know, this narrative kind of nonfiction. We had to come up with our own magazine and. Uh, we could do whatever we wanted, just come up with a magazine like we had to kind of design it and, you know, pitch it. And my magazine was called um, I think it was called Blue Collar Athlete. And it was supposed to hmm. be the idea was to be all about the guys that were not the stars. And we would have like a centerfold called Scrub of the Month. And you would have like <laughs> a guy wearing hospital scrubs, you know, as like your centerfold. So. I always liked those guys that were the underdog players when I was a little kid because I think I, I identified with them. Like I was always like slow to develop. I was picked on and bullied as a kid. And so I think I identified with the guys that were the underdogs. So part of why I actually liked the idea of the pack was that I knew just because of probability that, you know, 10, 11 of the 15 guys are going to be the kind of common guys. And it would give me a chance to write about those guys um, because I want to, because I find them interesting. But also my theory was that they're actually going to be a lot more interesting from a human point of view and from a literary point of view than like Carlton Fisk and Dwight Gooden, who were both in the pack. I'll take Jaime Kokenauer and Rance <laughs> Mullenix over Coleman and Fisk any day. But um, gotcha. I mean, I can go through all the guys if you want, but there were 14 players plus a checklist. Nice. So so what did you do for the checklist? That's the burning question. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was because that sounds like 200 players right there. <laughs> right. So do you do that? Do you suddenly say, OK, now I have to just, you know, dedicate the rest of my life to this and <laughs> really never get married and have kids? Um, it's a good thing so. you didn't do it as a Twitter poll, because I guarantee they would have made you they would have made yeah. you dedicate your life. 
I, well, okay. So here's actually, I have not, I've done a bunch of interviews. I haven't told this to anybody. Um, so you guys have the exclusive that, All right. uh, when my first plan to, for the checklist was to actually have it be a 15th chapter about something that happened on the trip that I ne- that I did not put in the book, which was, I don't know if you remember the wrestler, the iron Sheik. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the eighties. Yeah. So, I love the Sheik. I, there's a there's one line in the book in early on where I talk about how uh, my first book project was way back in 2005 when I when I actually quit my job at a magazine to go live next to the Iron Sheik for three months. Wow! And I, I was I was going to write his biography, and you know I, I this is just like one line in the book. It's kind of a throwaway line, but the, the truth is, or it's actually in a footnote, which is kind of a, a funny footnote. Um, because I basically say in that footnote that the reason why it didn't work was he threatened to kill me. And <laughs> the, the Iron Sheik. So Don Carmen was my favorite play, baseball player. And he's he's kind of the star of this book. But the Iron Sheik was my favorite professional wrestler, which is also weird, right? Because no one you're not supposed to like the Iron Sheik um, in 1985. <laughs> but I did because that's just who I was. Uh, so I had I had actually gone and tried to do this book. And, it, it, you know, he was so strung out on drugs that he was just unstable. And then one day he threatened to kill me. And I said, OK, this is, you know, this is not going to work out. So on the road trip, maybe one day I'll write like the lost chapter of the wax pack. I actually when I was going in the book, I kind of just skip over from Florida to New York. But little do people know I stopped in. Fayetteville, Georgia, and hung out with the Iron Sheik for a day. <laughs> and I was going to put that as the checklist because it's just sort of like a wild card. Right. <laughs> and uh, my editors, they were like, no, nah, I think it's going to like not work to throw that in there. And I, I, I actually really wanted to at first. I was like, no, it's like it's part of my story. I, it's got to be in there. And then I kind of I felt like it would probably just take a little bit of the momentum out of the book because it's kind of halfway through. So well, that was the original plan for the checklist. I have to imagine that that actually could be its own book right there. My lunch with the Iron Sheik. So, well, no, it's, it's true. I've actually thought about getting very meta for a second here. I've thought about writing the book about writing the book about the Iron Sheik. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, love it because I man, so I nice. drove him to crack hotels. I went and met Hulk Hogan and WrestleMania with him. It was crazy. Wow. That's awesome. I, w- I would read that book for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, getting, getting back to the topic of the book here. So 1986 tops, you've got these 14 guys plus the checklist. Um, you know, what was your absolute favorite guy that was on the list that you pulled and why? Well, without a doubt, uh, as I was saying before, Don Carmen was my favorite player as a kid. He was a, pitcher for the Phillies in some pretty lean years. And, um, as and I write about this in the book that, I mean, I was like, it wasn't enough for me to just ha- be a fan. I had to like write him a birthday card and I had to like make a plaque out of his baseball card. And I was just, you know, it's just, he was my hero. So when you now fast forward, uh, 30 years and now you're going to meet your hero. Right. But it's not like, I mean, keep in mind that as, as much as this book is, is a fun project. It, I mean, I, I took it seriously as a work of journalism. And mm-hmm. so it's not like I'm just meeting a guy at a meet and greet and I can just nerd out and fanboy out on him. Like, I, you know, I have to like maintain some modicum of objectivity here. So 
I'm meeting him and, you know, I actually don't put in the book the first moment when I met him, but I'm like fighting the, you know, the eight year old inside who's just freaking out about this and trying to be really cool. Like, oh, hey, man, what's up? You know, <laughs> like trying to act like, you know, very <laughs> understated, even though I'm really excited inside. Well, they say, you know, that saying never, never meet your heroes. Yeah. Um, so how did that go? Was so it I'll okay? Say, so two things on that. One, that was true with the Iron Sheik. <laughs> uh, <laughs> luckily, that was not true with Don Carmen. And I think okay, good. one of the I think one of the most important things about this book is I really think if if readers, if baseball fans go into it with an open mind, they'll come out of it feeling closer to these players, not because of anything to do with baseball but because of the men, the people that they are. Um, exactly. The, the fact that so many of them, like Don Carmen, Rick Sutcliffe, Randy Reddy, Steve Yeager, Lee Mazzilli, these guys just opening up and talking about, you know, some really heavy subjects about, you know, losing a loved one, about fathers abandoning them, fathers abusing them, um, you know, really heavy stuff. I think just that vulnerability that they, that they showed, uh, was it, it, it demystified some of that that hero thing that we all experience it, in a healthy way. It makes us realize that we actually have a lot more in common with these guys than we ever realized. And it, it's really hard to talk seriously when Don Carmen's head is on Ivan's body. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was trying to show the picture and I didn't get the framing right. I was not trying to impersonate him. I'll I just, just thought it'd me, be cool for collectors to see that card five thirty two. <laughs> thank but, you. Let thank me, you. Let me ask you something. So, all right, 11,341 miles, 30 states, 48 days. I'm very curious about the logistics of this. Were these pre-scheduled appointments? Did you just drive to where they were, kind of make a circle on a map? How did that whole thing work out? Yeah, so I spent like almost a a year planning and researching and, you know, getting ready. And so first of all, I had to like, you know, just learn everything I possibly could about these players. So I knew, I, you know, I knew I'd have limited time. So what am I going to ask about? And then I had to contact them. So I started by writing a, you know, you can get these address lists from autograph, you know, autograph collectors who, who write to players to get their autographs. Excuse me. Um, I, I had, uh, their addresses. So I would write a letter, and usually they wouldn't respond to that. But I just wanted to have a chance to kind of preface what I knew would come next, which is then like calling them uh, or emailing them. And so it took a while. I mean, it, it varied. Some guys were much easier to find than others, but most of them had agreed to at least um, to talk to me before I left. And so I had mapped out like the, the driving and OK, I'm going to be yeah, kind of here on this day and then go there. And there were some things that were a little bit up in the air, but. For the most part, the itinerary was pretty set. And how long so, did the entire journey take start to 48 days. Yeah. I mean, that was like from the time you opened the pack to when you had oh, all no, the no, interviews no. done? No, I mean like – I mean bell to bell, the whole – this whole book has been six years. But um, it was wow. probably like a little less than a year to plan. Then I took the trip and then it, it took a long time to get published because – that's a whole other story is like the challenge to get it published. And we, I don't know, we can talk about that if you, if you want. I saw it was University of Nebraska Press. That's my alma mater. Mm. 
excellent. No, they've been great. One of the things that I also thought was really cool was that in it takes it, it takes a certain kind of mindset to, to to commit to something like this, and you you saw it through obviously because the books in stores it's it's real. Was there any point while you were on the road where you're like where something happened where you're like it's not forget it I'm done enough or were for the most part did things go pretty smoothly after your planning? Uh, there were moments where I was really disappointed, um, like when I knew that, you know, Vince Coleman wasn't going to talk to me or I go to Houston and I, I'm halfway there and I get a text and the Astros PR guy says, oh, Gary Pettis, you know, after he had said I could talk to him, he's like, oh, he's not going to talk to you because A.J. Hinch, the manager, had a gag order on all the coaches. Um, and that was frustrating. But, you know, in a way, like those little setbacks in some ways also got me excited because it's like, okay, now I have to like get really creative, right? With Pettis, I went on this tour of the stadium and and actually for a moment thought about like locking myself in a utility closet in Jim Crane's suite. <laughs> <laughs> so I could, you know, ambush him and demand an audience and maybe get arrested with Ari, with Gary Pettis. I didn't do that, but I but I knew that even like the, the, the thinking process would be really fun to write about. Right. And so <laughs> I'm always thinking also is like, how is this going to play as a, as a narrative? Um, and then with Carlton Fisk, I don't know if you guys read that chapter, but that's where I actually did pose as a millionaire home buyer to sneak on the golf course to ambush Carlton Fisk. So I, I was willing to, you know, go to some pretty extreme lengths. And, um, so those, so even though those, those setbacks were also opportunities, um, I think the parts where I was really demoralized was later on when I was trying to get it published and, you know, I go through one agent and then another agent and we're going out to, I mean, basically, I don't know how much you guys know publishing, but there's basically five companies that control the entire industry. They're all in New York. Um, the big five, they call them. And, you know, they, there's definitely kind of an intellectual bias against sports publish against sports books. You know, there's kind of that intellectual elitism that bothers me. They think that sports fans, you know, don't read or we're not literary or whatever. Um, and so I ran into, you know, this rejection after rejection after rejection. And it was especially frustrating because they would say, oh, this is a great idea and it's great writing, but you don't have 100,000 Twitter followers. So we, <laughs> we can't offer you a deal because we don't think we could sell enough copies fast enough. Right. And or I had people saying, you know, you really should take yourself out of the book. It should be more about the baseball and the players. And I always knew like that wasn't the kind of book I wanted to write. Like this was a very personal book. It was ambitious because it was mixing memoir with baseball, with travel. It doesn't easily fit into any one category. Um, so there was a moment like when I, you know, had now gone a few years and I had invested, I mean, how many thousands of hours of unpaid labor and it's like, do you give up or what do you do? And I said, okay, I'm going to go to a small publisher where I know, I mean, my advance ended up being the blue book value of my 2002 Honda Accord, <laughs> so, you know, and then that, which now I'm still driving with 245,000 miles on it. And I said, you know, OK, I, I, I'm just going to look at this like I have to see it through. Like it doesn't matter about the money. I'm just going to do it. And then I was, you know, got to actually write it. 
Uh, I, I, congratulations. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, to see something, you know, grow as a seed to fruition and all those challenges, uh, I, I can't imagine. And so I'm glad that it got done. If you had to do it all over again, is there one thing that you wished you would have done differently, a missed opportunity, something for next time along those lines? Huh. Um, interesting. What I – no, I mean I don't think – I don't know that I would have done anything differently. Um, I, you know, I mean there's a, there was a lot of it that was out of my control in terms of sure. what, the, what the players would, would do or not do. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think part of the, the charm of it is that there were a lot of failures, <laughs> you know? Well, if if I can ask Brad, um, because this started off from a love of baseball and cards when you were a kid, and because the journey you went on sort of mirrors a lot of autograph hunters and collectors, the journey that they go on today, um, have you in any way gotten back into the hobby, collecting, um, you know, whether it's memorabilia, sports cards, um, has any of this re reignited a passion for that in you? I would say not not in the sense that I want to do that now, but it it has it's made me more even more nostalgic for the stuff that I did as a kid, like pulling out my old cards. Um, you know, I did the I would write to players and I thought I was so clever because not only would I do the self-addressed stamped envelope with the card, I, I created this questionnaire, which was like, you know, what was your favorite team? Who was your favorite player? And I still have that stuff, which to me nice. That's um, awesome. I, I'll always be grateful to Bob Shirley, the pitcher, because I didn't know about the self-addressed stamped envelope early on. And he actually wrote a note to me and said, you know, if you want to get responses, you have to include the postage. Then I was like, oh, OK, that's, you know, this epiphany. Um, but <laughs> other, other, other than that, I would say I, I like like I've I love getting like I'll just right now I'm sitting in, here at the desk and right next to me, I've got the 86 Giants media guide. Uh, because I, I, I love looking oh. back at those old media guides and like thinking about those players from that era. And I always think like if I did, I would never do the same kind of book again, but maybe doing some kind of podcast where I would talk to guys, you know, because it is a really fun theme to, to go back to the, those that era. Did you find that some people, um, some players, well, I know I kind of know the answer to this, but with the idea being that where are they now do some players not want to be known where they are now well no i'd say um kind of the counter of that which i think is a good thing is that most of them are pretty satisfied where they are now and they in some ways are actually not that nostalgic about their baseball career uh, not that they don't appreciate the fans and i think they're very grateful but to see how they have grown into their post-baseball lives and selves was really nice. They seem very settled. Um, now, of course, there's a bit of a inverse relationship there where in some ways the more famous, the less that's true, right? Sure. So I would say like some like people like Carlton Fisk and Vince Coleman, you know, yeah, maybe they're financially well off, but they don't seem as satisfied. It's hard, harder for them to let go of being the baseball player. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting.
Uh, total side note that you, I think you'll appreciate, Brad, from what I've gathered of how your brain works. Uh, yeah. On a blog from last year, Bob Shirley received a card and returned it within 10 days for a through the mail autograph. Wow. That's so he's still he's still the great guy that you uh, should, that you remember. Should, you know, now you're inspiring me. I should write to Bob Shirley now, send him a copy of the book and be like, thank you for setting me on this path. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah do, that. I'll do that. Ha- finish that beer, have another one and then write <laughs> that letter. hey listen the book is the wax pack uh it's available just about everywhere easiest place to get it right now is on amazon um but brad was kind enough to track down from the pr department a signed copy of the book to give away guys how awesome is that so later in the program, we'll be pulling a random winner from the Twitter. And um, Brad, then I'll email you uh, the name and address of that person. Yeah. And um, yeah, so thanks for the time. Thanks for the book opportunity to give away. And this was really fun. And I, I, I'm glad that you had fun doing um the book as well because you know it's easy to get all psyched up to do something and then have it turn out some way different but uh you enjoyed the journey and i think that's just so much of what life's about is the journey and that really mm-hmm. came through in talking with you so thank you very much and um hey best of luck in the future and if uh, there's any for anything else hobby related you want us to plug drop me a line Thanks. And uh, yeah, if you want me to inscribe anything uh, in particular in the book, I'm happy to do that. And I just wanted to say that for me, the the I think most rewarding thing about all this is like I feel like this book is really kind of a shared experience for me because like the just talking to people on Twitter, like I feel like people appreciate that I'm not someone that came. I wasn't a staffer at Sports Illustrated or someone that came from that world. Exactly. I I kind of feel like I'm an ambassador for a generation of fans that still have this connection to that era. And if I can, I always, you know, when I was on the road, I would just think about, I want to be the, the eyes and ears, you know, the proxy for all of the people that I know who are out there that really these cards meant so much to, and this era was so important to. So uh, really fun to engage with people. Well, so if I can if I can just add one thing to that, Brad, uh, I've already seen four or five tweets tagging you just from this appearance, and uh-huh. I noticed you haven't been on Twitter in a while. So make sure you check out your Twitter after the show. <laughs> okay, um, I'll, I'll do that. Thank you. Because the viewers the viewers really love the Twitter and love engaging with authors like yourself there. So yeah, Excellent. you're obviously a guy you can sit down and have a beer with. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, and um, best of luck to you in the future, and congratulations again on the Wax Pack. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, Brad. Brad Baluchian, author of the Wax Pack, On the Road in Search of Baseball's Afterlife. Very cool, and big thank you for being able to give away a signed copy. So, yeah, what Mm -hmm. we'll do is I'll reach back out. Uh, to who the winner is after we get your email and ask if you'd, uh, um, or when you email us, let us know if you'd like any inscription or anything. That's pretty awesome of him. Great interview. 
I saw everybody was loving the interview a whole bunch there. Sounds yeah, like the kind of fun. road trip we'd all like to take, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, how many people have probably thought of that? But he's the only one I know of that's actually done it. So, yeah, I, he and I went back and forth for a few weeks schedule-wise and uh, was glad to be able to pin him down. So, all right. Well, let's... Uh, there's other things going on in the hobby, and we tackle them all in a segment called Hobby Happenings. And let's look at some news, notes, and nuggets. Well, the current pandemic has hurt, obviously, a countless number of small businesses, and unfortunately, some may never recover. Local card shops have not been immune to forced closures. And yes, while some shops are offering curbside pickup or delivery, like we talked about last week, it can't replace the lost revenue from collectors who normally come in to break a box of new product out of the blue, browse through boxes for singles, or make an impulse purchase for their personal collection, or the shopper that comes in looking for a gift. But Sports Collectors Daily wants to help. Owner Rich Miller posted this statement on Twitter saying, we're going to try to help shop owners across North America by providing a static page with free links to the places where shops can earn revenue right now. Their store's website, eBay listings page, or Facebook page. It will allow collectors from around the world to help support local shops that really need it right now by bidding on or buying their items from new hobby boxes and singles to vintage card sets and memorabilia. Rich added, it's our hope that card companies are also doing all they can by allowing sellers, regardless of a store's status, to sell any current or future product online and making sure they can somehow receive product when and if at all possible. Uh, there is no time restrictions, quotas, or memberships for such a thing. So if you have a physical store, send your information to this email address, editor at sportscollectorsdaily.com. That's editor at sportscollectorsdaily.com. And collectors, please share this with your local hobby shop, and hopefully this can make a difference for your store owners. I mean, let's face it, they've been there helping you in the past with your collecting needs, and right now, they need your help. Yes, information is definitely valuable right now, so please share that with any shop owners that you know. Well, Rob, it's April which means that the start of the National Sports Collection Convention, Collectors Convention is scheduled to be less than four months from now. So with that pending, John Brogy, the show's executive director, took to Twitter this past weekend with this important statement. There are no plans to cancel or reschedule the event at this time, and we will continue to listen to federal and state guidelines before making a decision regarding what steps to take next. He goes on to say, alternative plans are being addressed by show management should the original dates be deemed unsafe for our attendees and exhibitors. More to come as we get closer to the event. So it sounds like one way or another, when we get through this together as a country and as a people, there will hopefully be a national on the other side of it. Woo! So again, that ties back to obviously our poll question. Be sure to weigh in and answer that. 
Uh, one major show that has been indefinitely postponed is the Spring Sports Card Expo in Toronto, which was scheduled for May 1st through the 3rd. A message on the show's website states that promoters cite the closing of the U.S.-Canada border mm. and shutdown of large events in Ontario forced the move and added, quote, we believe that postponing the event is the right choice. We are working to find an alternative alternate date for the summer, assuming that we are able to get the virus under control. We will make that announcement as and when we can. For those who have pre-purchased autographs or admission tickets, refunds will begin to be issued next week, but based on the large volume to process, this could take 7 to 10 business days to be reflected on your credit card. Adding, please be patient with us as this is a unique situation for all of us. Well, people are still buying and selling sports cards and memorabilia left and right. And as such, Sports Collectors Daily provided an update to several upcoming auctions from some of the hobby's powerhouses. Leland's Spring 2020 pop-up auction will open on April 12th, ending on April 26th. And their Spring 2020 Classic auction will now open on May 17th and end on June 19th. Mile High, Mile High Card Company is out of the office because of Colorado's recent stay-at-home order, but the company is continuing toward launching its spring auction on April 17th. SCP Auctions says its spring auction is now set to open Wednesday, April 15th and run through Friday, May 1st. Like SCP and also based in Southern California, Memory Lane staff has also been working tirelessly from home and the company has delayed the close of its Spring Classic auction until the last week of May. They'll announce a start date in the coming weeks. And Maryland-based Huggins & Scott's office closed last week, but the company continues to take consignments by mail and as for now, its May auction is set to proceed with no changes in the schedule. Rittenhouse Archives President Steve Sharendoff confirmed via the company's message board that a trading card set is in the works for the all-new CBS All Access Star Trek program, Picard. Full details of the set have yet to be announced. However, the company is planning for its release to be in late Q4 of this year or early next. Topps continues offering direct-to-collector set, uh, sets and products with a newly launched monthly subscription service called Future Stars Club. The monthly service costs $24.99 with free shipping. Each month, subscribers will receive a box of trading cards, a specially themed five-card set, and one collectible item. April's box is slated to include one 2020 Topps Opening Day Baseball Value Box, one five-card set with the theme of left-handed power-hitting outfielders, and one collectible patch. And that's a look at this week's Hobby Happenings. We know a lot of you come here to escape the corona stuff, but it's obviously impacted everything, including the hobby, and we would feel remiss in not reporting on stories related to the hobby and how it's being affected by Corona. But enough of that. Got it, Ivan? I got it. I'm tweeting it right now. So make sure you follow twitter.com slash go GTS 
Net. No, go GTS Live. The second part of that gets a little confusing. But use GoGTS.net when you're about to open a new product and you want to know what's in it, what you can hit, what the odds are. There's checklists and all sorts of exciting stuff out there. I love it. You love it. GoGTS.net. Twitter.com. GoGTS Live. <laughs> the National. Tops tweeted something out earlier this week that we wanted to share with all of you. And basically it's saying baseball will always be there to bring us together. So share your favorite cards and best baseball stories so we can experience uh, it all with one another through hashtag tops together. And they sent this out this short video. Check this out and we'll take a look at hot in the shop when we get back. Baseball has been part of our country's fabric since 1869. That's over 150 years of fathers and sons, brothers and sisters, friends and neighbors, coming together for the camaraderie, the fun, and the shared love of baseball. And for over 70 years, we've been there to start every season as part of the team, helping families, friends, and fans bond over, share, and express their love by opening packs, trading cards, and sharing stories. This year is different, but we can still share in the joy of baseball. And while we can't head out to the stadiums, ball fields, and playgrounds yet, we can still celebrate the game, the teams, and the players that make baseball special. So let's use this as a chance for a different kind of start to the season, a way to come together in a different way. Open up a pack, break out your favorite cards, and share your most cherished baseball stories. Join the Tops family as we celebrate America's pastime the best way we can, together. Well done, Tops. So yeah, go do that. And be sure to use the hashtag TopsTogether. That was a lot All of right. fun. So a uh, quick disclaimer ahead of our first product here in Hot in the Shop. Um, after I just said that, yeah, let's update the poll question real quick. Oh, James, thank you. Um, so the poll question was, knowing that the site for the National is currently being used as a field hospital, would you still attend? And 57% saying no, 34.5% uh, saying yes, 8.5% saying it depends. And given several reasons why, including a couple new additions i feel like it's too early to tell but if timelines go as expected april and may should lead to better times ahead by the date we need the space great point uh people on what the people who are smarter than me say <laughs> way to go mike h yeah. yeah love it <laughs> yeah we'll just go with that too so uh, let's not give up hope. There's still going to be a national. Chances are it's going to be in Atlantic City. Um, and let's just keep positive, all right? We're going we're gonna to get a hold, uh, handle on this thing. Well, here's, here's the big question I have is why didn't I see this John Brogy tweet earlier? Um, what is John Brogy's Twitter handle? Why is every Twitter... Uh, um, John is search? the executive director of the national... Oh, I know. Every Twitter he, search he, form comes up with Rutgers basketball results. Yeah, he's a huge Rutgers guy. Um, it was the national, the national tweeted. Oh. The fact that none of you tagged me in that and I didn't see it in my timeline, just I feel like Twitter failed me now. Wow. But 
there we go. I see it right now. That's awesome. And yeah, maybe it doesn't happen July 30th, but sounds like we're going to have it this year somehow. So that's good news. I'm excited. I just All learned right. something new on the show. That never happens, Rob. <laughs> uh, which was? That we may have a national this year, even if the timeline oh. for the scheduled national does Got not it. work. All right. So as I was going to say about product releases. I learn releases, stuff all the time on the show. Um, it's pretty fluid right now because of shipping and logistics and lots of stuff going on with all the manufacturers. As a result, this week's um, look at Hot in the Shop is shorter than it even was when I put it together Monday. Uh, just three products releasing next week, and we kick things off with 2019 Panini Flawless NFL Football Cards, which delivers six autographs signed on card plus one to two gem cards and two to three memorabilia cards in every box. Oh, yeah. All autographs are either on card or cut signatures, and every card is numbered to 25 or less. So you got that going for you. New this year, though, look for rookie showcase memorabilia cards, Super Bowl swatches, rookie cleat autographs, Flawless spikes, flawless dual autographs, flawless finishes, rookie shadow signatures, NFL 100 autograph collection, and many more. Wow, loaded with new content, including the new dual on-card autographs in flawless dual with the greatest players both past and present. And be sure to hunt for oversized patches in star signature, star swatch signatures, as well as several rare booklet cards from veteran booklets, rookie booklets, signature gems, and much more. Obviously, this is a high-end product, popular with your breakers. Get in on the break and show us what you pulled. Tag GoGTSPC. Well, Rob, it's not just football this week. We also have a very exciting release from Topps Baseball. 2020 Topps Tribute Baseball Cards is going to deliver six autographed, autographed relic or relic cards in every box. Yes, this is the first premium trading card release of the 2020 MLB season. Look for new guaranteed autographed case hit content. And this is a hobby exclusive. So remember to get out there and support your hobby shops or stay in and support them as the case may be um, and your breakers. So those case hits that we mentioned are either, uh, well, actually there's four case hits. So that's pretty cool with six boxes per case. Uh, there's four case hits, one franchise best autograph card, one tribute to great hitters autograph card, and then two 2020 MLB rookie cards. Um, now, of course, those will be sprinkled in along with things like iconic perspectives autographs, uh, tribute autographs with MLB veterans, elite rookies, and retired icons. Um, you're going to have league inauguration autographs featuring the top rookie names of the 2020 class and numbered to 99 or less autograph patches. And then, of course, book cards such as the tandem tribute book card autographs, a two panel book card pairing veterans and retired players who share common bonds and lots of other cool content, relic cards 
and even a base set to chase. So look for that in hobby shops and online this week. This next product is one that is a little bit on the fence. So as far as uh, if it will release or if it will get pushed back. So we might end up talking about this twice, but it's certainly worth it. Super Break Deluxe Baseball Edition. Three hits guaranteed, including two premium buyback cards and one the bar autograph or premium memorabilia item in every box. Also, look for the return of their popular talking boxes and chase the hottest rookie cards, toughest tens, and top certified memorabilia. Three boxes per case and only 75 total cases produced. Look for top modern buybacks, one of ones, BGS 9.5s, PSA 10s, top graded vintage rookies, update rookies, super fractors. Look for themed and hot cases. The bar 101 cut autographs, signed photos, lithos, jerseys, bats, baseballs, and more. Wow. And all 30 teams are represented for group break purposes. That's 2020 Super Break Deluxe Baseball Edition. And that's a look at what's going to be hot in the shop or hot with your favorite breaker or online retailer. All right. Real quick, I wanted to address a few comments in the chat. Um, sure. D-Pan, our friend up in uh, Canada, big hockey collector, said, wonder what's going to happen with the Toronto Spring Expo. I believe that that's officially canceled because of issues with the U.S.-Canada border. Yep, we reported right. on that in Hobby Happenings, the closing yep. of the border and other large events being canceled in Ontario has forced that show to be canceled as of May 1st through the 3rd. They're calling it canceled, but it's hopefully a postponement. They're hoping to push it back and have it in summer, the summer. Summer Expo, Fall Expo. <laughs> but the other fun comment from the chat that I just wanted to address real quick is a random thought from James Campanos that they should make rip cards more fun and make them autographed before you rip. Ooh. Whoa, scary. what do you think about that? That's pretty scary. Rip or rip or not. I mean, there better be like actual money inside the <laughs> the rip card. Yeah, can you imagine that though? Like if it's like, hey, the inside there may be a Hank Aaron one of one mini wooden autograph plate, but you have to rip <laughs> through the showy Otani autograph in oh, order to man. see. Oh gosh, you guys are brutal! Wow, the um, stakes. These are these are what we call coronavirus stakes. We just upped them. Yep, I guess so. Um, all right, well, we're gonna have Ivan pull some winners while you guys watch this. It's a story about a football coach, a collector, a sage copy editor, and a future store owner. Maybe check this out, and we'll be right back to announce the winners and wrap up tonight's show. Welcome back. Hobbies are important in these slow times. And for one coach in Beach, he's showing that he has the tricks of the trade when it comes to his passion. Our Luke Gamble has the story. Oh, well, look at that. Another Jordan. Like my Jordans. Mike Zier has been a football coach and teacher for more than 20 years. But every day he finds himself going back to something from his childhood. I got started in uh, Bravis, Montana in sixth grade. Uh, my teacher was Mr. Bogner. And he brought in his cards, 
And uh, from that point on, I was kind of hooked. Zier's hobby and passion is collecting trading cards. He's been doing it for over 35 years since he started working at a card shop in 1985. To me, it's the best ho a hobby that I've, I've ever had. Um, um, and I just really, really enjoy it. Zier says the best aspect of collecting cards is the hunt for the rare ones. Each one's a one-on-one. -on -one. That's the only one in, that he made. It's what he uses to relax. We do it because for a little bit of time each day or part of the week or whatever, it takes your mind off of, you know, other things that are going on and, and uh, it, it kind of uplifts you. Not only does Zier have thousands of cards, He's also part of some of those cards. Zier writes on the back of trading cards for Sage Collectibles. And the last one is, you know, who they compare to. And that's where I get really kind of fun because that's completely up to me. I just, okay, who does he remind me of? And I picked uh, Devin Hester. And I got to say, I think I'm kind of spot on on that one. Zier's collection spans across all professional sports. Well, there's a Mahomes rookie. Big money. And he even has non-sports trading cards. I got a pretty good deal on that. Rocky cards. It's awesome. And the goal for all of those cards? Well, that's simple. Maybe when I retire from teaching and coaching that I could open up a card shop. Well, there's no maybe about it. Uh, my cards will be with me until I kick the bucket. Reporting for KX Sports in Beach, I'm Luke Gamble. And Lauren and Nicholas, Zier says his wife gives him a hard time about how many cards are in the house, but yep. she fully supports his passion. Oh, wow. A good collection, that's for yeah. sure. All right. We're back. That's pretty cool. Um, I love it when the hobby ends up uh, part of mainstream news, so it's good to see. That wraps it up for another episode of Go GTS Live, the Hobbies web show. Thanks to Brad Baluchian um for his appearance and gift of the signed book thanks to chris stratton at sage and tracy hackler at panini america as well as frank whitaker at ultra pro all right that's going to do it for this episode and uh but we'll be back next week with a brand new one uh for ivan lovegren i'm robert tran special thanks to james gale behind the scene you guys know what to be doing in the meantime. Always be collecting. Have a great weekend. Be safe, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody.